Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Shuffman, a freelance personal finance journalist. And I'm Joshua Gersler, a chartered financial planner. We're here to discuss topical financial subjects in an accessible way that you may come across in your personal and business life that are likely to impact you, your family and your finances. We're also keen to share our thoughts and views with you and hopefully make you smile along the way. If you'd like to find out more about me, visit cavendishcontent.com and you can find me at topfs.co.uk. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of the M for a Penny podcast. Uh, we are speaking in a week where there are rumours of further lockdown measures, more restrictions on our liberties from um, Boris Johnson. How, how are you coping with the rule of six as a family of six, Josh? Yeah, that's about it. We are coping <laughs> as a family of six, so not really mixing with others or interacting with others. Still yeah. going into the office. Uh, but not taking the whole family in, so I'm still <laughs> sticking to the uh, the rules. Kids are going to school, so it's fine for sort of everyday life, but none of the, can't do any of the social activities that we normally do. No, it must be tough. No, look, you just got to go on with it, don't you? If that's what the rule is, that's what the the rule is. You're a stickler for rules. What about you? How are you finding it as a family of four? We're fine. It's, it just means if you want to, if you want the kids to have a play date. It's just got to be drop and go for the other parents, so they're sort of quids in, so they can come. So make sure you're the uh, yeah, not the host. Make sure they're going exactly. somewhere else. Yeah. Well, we did birthday parties a couple of weeks ago for both of us, and we did, did it in shifts. So there were only, I think, five children at once. This was before Rule of Six came in. Yeah. But and then we spaced it all out. Yeah, and I think that will be the future. With if there's Rule of Sixes in, people are just going to have very small, intimate gatherings. But in some way. It's nicer, less hectic. Yeah, I think uh, we had uh, we had to self isolate. I heard about this, but I'm sure many of our listeners won't have. So uh, one of my boys had a bit of a cold. Yeah, uh, I think this was like on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is fine. There's no problem with having a cold. Yeah, and then any a bit a bit of a cough as well to go with his cold, but nothing unusual. Yeah, and then on Monday morning, three of the four of them were sort of were coughing. Oh no! And we thought, hang on a minute, what should we do here? And we thought, you know what, we can't send them into school, not for their sake. We thought it's probably nothing; it's just coughs yeah. and colds. But it, you've got to think about everyone else. That's what yeah. the whole point of self-isolating is to protect and help everyone else. So went on the NHS website mm-hmm. to get some COVID nineteen tests. Nothing, couldn't get anything. Terrible. Clicked all the way through, filled it in. No tests available. Eventually, it comes up. There's a test centre. So, uh, but then it said, and it said there's 10 available slots. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as I click into it, no available slots. And you oh, click wow. day, next day, next day, and there's nothing. So we thought well, we could wait and keep trying all day long, or we could, um, there's some private companies that do it. Yeah. So it's not cheap, but we thought, you know what, let's get them tested as quick as possible and all being well back into school as quick as possible. So we did that very efficient. Got, got received it later that day, so it got couriered over. Mm-hmm. Um, did the test quite easy, then sent them back by courier to the lab and got the results within, I think it was 48 hours. It wasn't the quickest, 
yeah. but it was very easy. So they're off school Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was I didn't go into work because in case I, in case they had it, I didn't want to pass it on to anyone in the office. Yeah. Um, and then Thursday, everyone was back in school and work. So did you have to homeschool? Did you get sent? Nah, we didn't well, bother with it nah. just for a few days. A bit of television, a bit of playing. So I was happy. So all six of you had to do a test, even your young. No, f- five did. I didn't bother because I didn't have any symptoms. Okay. Uh, Mrs. G had a cough, so she thought she might as well do it. Yeah. One of the boys didn't have a cough, but we thought if we're testing, the yeah. others might as well test him. So, all came back, uh, no traces of COVID. Very good. So that's pricey, because I've got an idea of how much these private tests cost. Go on, what's your estimation? You. I think you would have spent about £700. It Probably something like that. I think it's like somewhere between £100 and £150 a person. Yeah. It compl- you know, it's so annoying to have to spend that money. Yeah. Um, but don't say we didn't do our bit for society. <laughs> we kept them off school, spent all that money to make sure it's safe for them to uh, to mix with people. That is a, yeah, that's the annoying thing about these rules, just especially when you, yeah, going back to school when someone gets a cough and you you panic and you just got to do what you're expected to do. It would just help if they had an effective testing system in place. Yeah. Well, maybe by the time this podcast is published, everything would have changed. Let's hope so. It depends how long it takes to edit it. Yeah. But, um, speaking about sticking to the rules and the status yeah. quo, this is quite a weird segue. I wanted to speak about um, loyalty. What are those things called? You're saying segue. What are those things called that you ride on? Se- they're segues, but I think that's spelled differently. Yeah, what, how do you spell those? S-E-G-W-A-Y. But the segue that we're talking about is S-T-G-U-E. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I mean, you just like ruined the whole link. Speaking of segues, carry on. Speaking of segues, <laughs> I wanted to talk about loyalty. Yeah. So you, you know when you go to a restaurant, if you go to a restaurant quite often and you get to know the waiter and the, the boss or like a bar, occasionally they may give you a discount for your commitment and your loyal regular custom and you think in financial services that the same would apply oh no 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 oh no as, no, no. as our friend Churchill used to say yeah so yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that for a bit yeah good idea because there's lots of financial products out there where you're committed for a certain period and then you need to move around and it's important to shop around because otherwise you get stuck often paying more there's no prizes for loyalty in financial services and yes and inertia can cost you money so one example is mortgages so if you're on a fixed rate i think it's mainly fixed rates isn't it as it comes towards the end once you once your deal ends say say you're on a two-year fixed rate and then you come to the end of that you'll automatically be pushed onto a standard variable rate, which is the bank's default rate that they yeah. charge on your mortgage. And then that will increase your monthly repayments. Look, yeah, normally, correct. Normally, the standard variable rate is higher than the rate that you were on before. Yeah. Um, and nine times out of 10, or maybe 99 times out of 100, you, you're better off remortgaging to another lender. So not being loyal to your lender um i think it's an interesting one so you get to the end of your contracted rate let's say do you think the lenders should then say to you we are now going to put you onto our best rate like you're here with let's say 
energy bills and things yeah. like that or do you think it's right that they put you on a standard variable rate well i think pushing you onto that is seems like they're just punishing you for not paying attention it seems like a penalty for being busy or a penalty for not being financially savvy so is it their responsibility to make sure you're always paying the lowest possible payment they are businesses they are businesses but there's also regulatory rules called you're supposed to treat customers fairly i mean i know it isn't actually against the rules if someone someone does go onto an svr but it doesn't seem fair to just automatically charge people more to me no i i i agree i'm just sort of uh making the conversation more yes. interesting by arguing the other point but um most lenders will send you a letter before yeah. the end of your let's call it fixed rate period to say your rate's coming to an end um get in touch to discuss it so yeah. i would have thought from a compliance point of view that's probably sufficient or if they then say that these are the options for you moving forwards i don't think they could probably automatically put you onto another deal because that would be a new contract and i don't yeah. think they could do that without your permission but isn't it going to put a customer off if they feel like they're going to be ripped off every time they come towards the end of the end of a deal what we do with all our clients when we arrange a mortgage we get in touch with them about three months before the end of the deal yeah they say the deal's coming to an end let's have a chat let's understand your situation now your current position and let's discuss whether it's worth taking a new deal with the current lender or changing to a new lender so if you're if you've got an advisor you probably have a slightly different attitude you probably just ignore whatever the lender sends you and let your advisor to deal with it that's what you're paying them for yeah you are, uh, let's say, a direct to to lender individual. Um, I don't know. I don't think. I don't think they would be legally allowed to put you onto another deal. Because remember, when you're in a, a fixed rate, you've yeah. got like earlier payment charges. There's sometimes arrangement fees. So I don't think they could put you in without you um, positively electing to do that. But why does the default rate have to be so much higher than what you're currently on well they're going to make money so we do have to remember they are businesses they're lending money not because out of the goodness of their heart unfortunately that's their business that's how they make money and if they don't make money they can't lend money so there's got to be some element of profit for them so if the rate was let's say lower than the money they they borrow out themselves in the market then it wouldn't work. And I think they want to encourage people to, to not be on their standard variable rate. I think they want people to tie in with them and, and take on new deals. Um, and maybe that's one of the reasons it is a bit higher. On these letters they're sending, Ray, are they mentioning the standard variable rate or are they just saying these are some of our deals? Um, I, ha- I haven't got any in front of me, so I'm trying to think yeah. exactly what they say. But I think different. So I think some, some lenders just say your rate's coming to an end, and let's discuss it. And uh, but they, I'm ima- I imagine they must have to say what rate you're going on to. I think that's probably in there. Okay, should we try and do some calculations? Go on then. I'm gonna. I've got a mortgage calculator in front of me. Okay. Do you, off the top of your head, know what a decent mortgage rate currently is? Yeah. 
Yeah. Can you let's, take me? Let's give you a two year fix at let's say 1.1. Very generous. So let's have a, how, what type of £150,000 mortgage? Oh, that sounds fantastic. Uh, for two years. So at what, at what rate? 1.1. Oh, that's nice. Two years. So on a, so the actual the term is say 25 years and it's a two yeah. year fixed rate. Yeah. At 1.11 on a repayment basis, it would be £572 a month. Okay. So that mortgage, if it went up, what's the typical standard variable rate now? Around 4% or Yeah, let's go for four. Yeah. So that same mortgage, your monthly repayments on a rate of 4% would go up to seven hundred and ninety-one pounds. So what's that about? I haven't got right those numbers down. Two hundred and forty pounds difference, something yeah. like that. Around That's a lot that. of money, isn't it? It's almost it's yeah. sort of like fifty percent extra. So I think the most I would imagine most of our listeners will either be con- contacting the lender at the end of their mortgage term or letting their advisor deal with that for them. So I think, I guess the message is if you're not really doing it, make sure you do. And don't just, going back to that loyalty point, don't just think whatever they're offering you is going to be the best deal. Yeah. They don't, the lenders don't have any loyalty. So nine times out of 10, it is better to shop around to get a better deal. That's actually what I remember when I was coming to the end of my previous fixed rate. And I got quite, I think at least two or three letters from my bank at the time saying you're about to come to the end you need to, you'll need to remortgage these other rates. And obviously they were only pushing their own rates. But in the end, I went to an advisor. I don't know if you know him, but he, um, he helped me. <laughs> yeah, great guy. He sorted me great out. Guy. Yeah. Um, okay. So what, what about, let's talk about some other things though. Okay. So we're talking about loyalty. So what about, um, I've recently my re- renewed my car insurance. Mazel tov. Thank you. Not that exciting, but thank okay. you. So I got a letter from the insurers. There's two insurers, one for me and one for Mrs. G, hmm. um, saying your renewal's up. Here's your quote for this year. One thing I noticed, for, which I think I've noticed for the first time, they put in last year's premium yeah. in the renewals in comparison. I hadn't noticed I think that's that in a the new past. Thing. Yeah. So I thought that was really good. So we'll give them a, a thumbs up. Well there. done. Um, and what I always do when I get to the end of my car insurance yeah. is, I go on, I don't know why I use this website. I've always done it on confused.com. Yeah. There's no idea why it's that one. There's all, there's compare the market and all of these. You get a free meerkat. Uh, yeah, exactly. I didn't get that. But yeah. I do have a Brian robot from do a few years ago. Oh, very good. Brian. Um, so I put in all the details and then it comes up with a list of maybe 50 to a hundred insurers and what their, what their rates are. Hmm. And I always find that, the ones I get online, offered online, are lower than the renewal quote I get from my existing insurer. Without yeah. fail, it always seems to be lower online. Yeah. So then you've got to start playing the game. So you call up the current insurer, go through everything, right? Yeah, I've been online. There's a cheaper quote. Um, are you able to match that, beat that, whatever it may be. Oh, let me have a look at it. Oh, yeah, just for you, I can do a special deal, Mr. Yeah, Gerson. there's always a special deal. I don't really, yeah. And and actually, this year, with both of the insurers, so we've both got separate 
insurers. They took the discount when when I called them. They were about twenty five pounds more than what I found online. And I thought, you know what, for twenty five quid, yeah. not that I'm flashy throwing money around, but I thought for twenty five pounds, rather than me having to go through the whole hassle, I'll just stick with the current insurer. Hmm. Probably in the past, I would have done for £25. But I thought the amount of time it's going to take me, it's not worth the hassle. So I ended up sticking with the current insurers and paying a little bit more than I could have done by moving it. That's interesting. What about you? What do you tend to do? What I've found with some my current insurers in the past is they've been a bit sneaky. As I had one previously that I think encouraged us to move everything online so we didn't get any more posts and were saving the environment. But it also meant I didn't realise or had just forgotten when my car insurance was going to renew and because I didn't get a letter. And you get, get quite a lot of emails, so things get lost in my inbox. So it sort of got to the – I think it even got to a week after when it automatically renewed at a higher price. And, yeah, I learned my lesson. I realised I've got to have these things on paper because it's – I mean, some people probably manage more with online stuff. But I just... We know you're old school. Yeah, I'm very old school. I still have a paper diary. And I feel like if I've got it in my hand, I've opened an envelope and read it, I'm more likely to respond to it. Um, But I think I was in my 14-day calling off period still, which I think you get with car insurance. Yeah. Uh, So luckily, I managed to phone up, negotiate. And yeah, yet again, miraculously, there's extra discounts they can give you. But it just raises a question, but if these discounts are there, why not just give people them in the first place yeah that's what annoys me the most out of it so if we go back to the mortgage one i think you know that you're in for a fixed period it comes to an end and you go on the standard variable rate yeah and if you want to get a better deal you can you can sign up what annoys me about these insurance companies the car insurance is just give you the best price from the beginning say this is our best price for you yeah it's a game and it, it buckers is that a word? Can you say bugger on this on this podcast? No, it's a game and it annoys me. Yeah. Um, so there must be a lot of people. I'm, well, obviously, are a lot of people who just don't call up, and that's where they're making their money, aren't they? Correct. It's it's that inertia, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I do the same with home insurance. Do you do your home insurance? Yeah. So home insurance, yeah, is another weird one. What website do you use for your? I oh, know we do insurance? that. We actually have that through a broker who just every year emails us and says this is a quote for this year sometimes it has been a bit lower but then often we phone up and it gets even lower well it's the same thing isn't it so as as a as the the broker so just for our listeners this isn't me i haven't done mark's home insurance not my area of expertise should be doing that for you yeah they should be doing that oh can we have a better price sort of thing not you shouldn't have to go to a broker to do that i guess the whole benefit of a broker is they're supposed to get you the best price straight away yeah, I don't really understand our arrangement with them. Um, I should check that as a personal finance journalist. I um, so I used I use no, I do, do I use Confuse dot com for my home insurance as well. Yeah. Uh, same sort of thing. You called up, um, but I actually found this year going to a different insurer was quite a bit cheaper than a couple hundred quid a year cheaper than staying with the current one. Home insurance is a hassle, though, really to have to rearrange each year because like your car habits are likely to change year on year like you could have an accident or drive a certain amount of miles or get a new car but most people over a year or two are going to have the same house 
the same sort of unless you make really extravagant purchases you're going to have the same sort of valuables and hopefully you don't get burgled so it's just what's the point and yeah it's just annoying every year having to go through the same rigmarole and it's i don't see how they can justify their prices going up when you're ensuring the same thing and it's not like linked to house prices or anything is it yeah unless there's a reason for the price to go up it just seems to go up and up and up with inflation it's a bit frustrating do you um sort of a non non finance related one but do you ever negotiate any of your other contracts when they come to them maybe like your television and internet and things like that uh i do negotiate make sure i negotiate um phone contracts which i think a lot of people don't realize when they get a new handset deal that for only the first year or so you're paying off the handset and then for the rest you're just paying the contract and then yep. if you phone up and say i only want to pay the contract portion your bill will almost half and i think i was stuck for ages paying i don't know like 36 quid for was it i think for an iphone one of the iphones and then realized that i'd paid off the handset portion and i ended up only having to pay about 12 pounds a month so so you went on to a sim only deal yeah how did you realize that you'd paid off the handset how did i realize that is a good question i think i just must have seen something on the internet what the on on the website for your phone no, company. No, oh no, the phone companies don't. Yeah, some, yeah, the phone companies don't tell you this at all. Why would they? You're right. What I try and do with these type of things is I try and put a, a thing in my notes or a reminder in my calendar yeah. that when the contract's coming to an end to sort of pop up and remind me. Yeah, that's what I try and do. So, yeah, with telephones, you're right. You if you want a new handset, historically, I think it was back in the day. It was always that you the handset was part of the contract, wasn't it? Yeah. And you, you paid, I don't know, 20 quid, 30 quid, 50 quid a month, whatever it was. And at the end of the 12 months or the 24 months, you've got upgrades. Do you remember all that? Yeah. Yeah. And you get used to get the brochure and pick your new handset and then you, you carry on paying the same amount. So they sold it as free upgrades, didn't they? Yeah. But really you were paying off the phone over the next two years or whatever it was. Yeah. So what you've done is much better. You've paid off the phone. You've realized I don't need a new handset. This one works absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, I'll just pay for the, uh, the actual mo- the, the use of the phone, the, the phone calls and the internet and the text and all that. Exactly. And it just means if you want to then move your phone, you just, you can pay by, by a handset outright if you can afford it up front. Yeah, I mean they are very expensive phones now. If you want the the sort the of the, uh, yeah. the the brand, so like a an iPhone, it's probably sort of between I don't know six hundred and fifteen hundred pounds for all the snazzy iPhone Samsungs. Yeah, but you can get some very good deals on non-branded ones, which are pretty much the same. Yes, like I've got a Samsung, but really I could have any Android phone and it probably do the same thing. You've got, haven't you got like a? A OnePlus. It's yeah, called a OnePlus. Which isn't like, sort of a big name. How, how does it work? It's just Android. Uh, yeah, Android. It's a Hong Kong company. Um, and it's just Donald a, Trump. Yeah, don't tell him. And uh, yeah, decent camera. Low cost distribution because they don't have shops and stores. So that keeps the cost down. Um, and yeah, and they, and they do all right. It's cheaper than... Yeah, I've seen your phone. I think it's it's pretty much does all the same stuff that my one does yeah um another thing i've changed a few times over the last few years is my tv package 
So right. we used to have Sky. I've heard of them. Yeah, and I, the reason I like having Sky or a television package is because I like to watch the sport, the football mainly. So we had Sky, and then the contract came to an end. Oh, was coming to an end, and I happened to receive in the post a magazine from Virgin Media, and it said for a great offer for new customers. It was like everything you could ever want, all the channels, yeah. um, the internet, the a second box, and a free television. Wow. For like, for like half, yeah, for like half what I was paying Sky. So I decided to sign up to Virgin and uh, was with them for a bit. On the whole, it was worked well. I had a few issues, but on the whole, it worked well. And when that contract came to an end, I happened to see something from Sky to say for new customers, fantastic new deal, much cheaper, you know, everything thrown in, all your football, all your films. So I've sort of the last few years been back and forth Sky to Virgin. That sounds like a lot of faff. It, well, it, it's not particularly, but you do have the option, which I had used to do back in the day where I'd get to the end of the contract. Yeah. I think I have done this as well. I called up, called up Sky and said, I've contracts coming to an end. I've, I've had this offer from Virgin. It's whatever it is. Can I, can you match the price or whatever it is to stay with you? And if they say yes, great. If they say no, off you go. See, I think that's quite an impressive skill because I hear a lot of stories about people who do that and they boast about how they've added free sports channels and movies. And it just seems to be so subjective because I've tried that in the past and they just say, no, sorry. They don't have the monotone uh, phone call. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I think it's also, I think they have, um, they're allowed to offer deals to a certain number of people in a certain... Never me. No, maybe you're calling at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, but But I think as long as you've got a good alternative, it doesn't matter. So for me, when I moved to Virgin and back to Sky, they were both offering a great reason to go to them. But what are you doing each time with your boxes and your remotes and all that? So when I um, joined, I kept it. They said, we don't want it. Yeah. So I I sort of didn't know what to do. I thought, well, I'll keep the Sky box because if Virgin doesn't work out and we go back to the Sky, I've got the box. But when we went back to Sky, their, their boxes had all changed. Yeah. So I said to the guy fitting it, do you want the old boxes? I just gave it to him. He'd probably sell it on the cheap or something like that. But I didn't need it. And Sky told me they didn't need it either. Um, when we left Virgin recently, they said to me, we don't want the the boxes back. So I um, I think we disposed of it at the dump where there's like for electrical items. Okay. Um, and interestingly enough, I recently joined BT Internet. Yes. And they sent a bag to send your old router in. Any router? Well, I think it was supposed to be a BT one, but I just put my old one in. Oh, that's interesting. I thought if they want to recycle it, fantastic. Yeah. Hopefully that's not not a problem. It didn't say don't put any other routers. I just thought it's better than me doing it. Let them sort it out. So I thought that's good. Hopefully they they do that nice and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Efficiently. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing with all this. Yeah, moving broadband and TV providers is yeah, you're stacking up all this, all these boxes. I worry about the impact on the environment. Well, you're right. If if you either you've got a drawer at home or something, a cupboard full of hundreds of routers and boxes and things. Yeah. Or they're just going in bin, which isn't the idea. They they probably should have like BT. I thought that was great to send you a bag to send it back in. They should all do that, and then it just doesn't matter. They all end up with each other's equipment, and they can share it back to each other 
Yeah. All right. their boxes should just work. I don't know, but then they upgrade their boxes, don't they? Yeah, you need the, the, the latest technology, don't you? Yeah. Imagine if you still had a router from 20 years ago with the old dial-up. Are we, are we off dial-up? That's, that's why the <laughs> Zoom call is such bad quality. Our younger listeners wouldn't know about that. No, that's true. I, uh, for my um, broadband, I uh, I just have a baker's, baker's basic package at the moment, and, and but obviously that still comes to the end of a deal occasionally, and I have to phone and do my best to negotiate. And the best I've, I have sometimes had managed to have the price frozen. This year they managed to negotiate an extra pound out of me. Okay, who are you with? Virgin. Okay. I think the key is that you can call up for the sake of it. Some people like just a sort of a, an argument or a negotiation. Yeah. Do your research first, have an alternative that you're willing to change to. Yeah. And then call and have the conversation because if they say, sorry, we're not doing anything, then at least you can make a, you're in a position of strength to make an informed decision to say, yes, I'm going to leave and go to the other one because it's much cheaper or you know what? The other deal wasn't that great. I'll stick with you. Oh, I did try and call their bluff once actually a few years ago and I did leave and I said, I'm going to BT because they were offering a good BT sport deal. Yeah. And I tried and open reach came quite a few times and failed to install it. Oh. There was an issue. So for weeks I was without any internet and eventually I just went crawling back to Virgin and they're like, yes, so we'll just install your equipment back. And they, they didn't put the prices up or anything. And, and yeah, I just, we just, we're now back together as if nothing ever happened. Fantastic. I'm pleased for you. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you for being in for a penny. If you like what you've heard, feel free to leave a review. And we love hearing from our listeners, so please get in touch via our websites or on Twitter at Mark Schoffman, at Josh Gersler, at InforAPennyPod1. Talk to you soon.